we might have to do that again. Why? One more time, just just cause. <laughs> God damn, you don't pay me enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't pay me at all. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowie Podcast. We have Jesse Bowie Fitness. It's your boy Ken. You know, today we got a special guest with us. My man. <laughs> yeah, my name is Joseph. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. How are you? No, we're doing all right. We're doing yeah. all right. We're doing well. We're doing <laughs> yeah. well. Now that you're here, honestly, you know, we um, this is this has been a, someone who's near and dear to my heart for quite some time now. Um, some of us may already know some of the stories and some of the things that you gone through previously, you know. But I definitely yeah. wanted to Chess bring you on the show. You know what I'm saying? And I, I talked over with Jesse literally like months ago. You know what I'm saying? Months yeah. ago, through when it initially came about. And I mentioned it to him, and then now God has finally obviously given us the chance to bring you on board and kind of yeah, just at least get you to tell your story, bro. So, first off, thank you. Thank you so much, bro, for, man, for being here. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, this, is, this is big for us, you know? Yeah. Um, all right, man. So, we'll just kind of have you just start up and just tell your story, man, as far as, like, how kind of everything came about initially, you know? Mm-hmm. What, where did it all begin? Yeah. Man? I mean... <laughs> Man, how it all began. So I was at home just one day. Um, had a long day. Just as, I was just at home, just laying down on my bed, just chilling, you know, because I was tired. And uh, I heard a knock on the door, and I didn't. I was. I didn't rush to go get the door. So I realized that the person pressed the bell too, and my mom called me from upstairs. She was upstairs at that time. And she was just like, hey, could you get the door? So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get the door. Mm-hmm. So um, I got the door, and uh, it was a cop. And I thought he was going to ask me something about maybe a neighbor or something, because at that time, I hadn't, I, in my mind, I hadn't done nothing. So he asked me if I was Joseph, and I was like, yeah, I'm Joseph. And then he was just like, well, uh, I need you to stay away from this girl and her family. And it had the names on there and all that. And I was like, all right. Uh, I didn't find it as a big deal because uh, in my mind, I was just like, man, I barely see that family anyways. Mm-hmm. They're not the kind of family that I hang out with. So I I could definitely stay away from them. And then the, poli- uh, the police told me that, well, if you want to fight this restraining order, you can just uh, you can just come to court on Monday and then fight the restraining order. And I was just like, eh, all right. So I just told him, all right. And I just went to my room. My mom asked me, oh, who was at the door? I was like, oh, it's just the police. And then she was like, the police at our house? Because you know how African parents can be sometimes. <laughs> so first thing she asked me was like, what did you do? I was like, I did nothing. And then I was like, they just gave me this uh, restraining order that I should stay away from this person and her family. And she was just like, because she knows the family. And she was like. Why, why would they send you? Why would they give you that? I was like, I don't know. They said I could fight it if I want at court. And I didn't go to court because I didn't feel the need to go for that because I don't hang out with that family, like mm-hmm. I said. So mm-hmm. I didn't go to court to fight that. And I remember a week later, I was just there again, and they they came to my house, but I wasn't home at that time. So my mom was the one that was home, and they just told my mom that they needed to talk to me. So my mom called me, and I was like, yeah, what's going on, mom? And she was like, oh, these people just, uh, the police just came back again, and they said they need to talk to you. 
So my mind was just like, all right, if they need to talk to me, I mean, I'm still not doing anything wrong. I know that mm-hmm. I haven't violated the restraining order or nothing. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that family. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, all right, if they need to talk to me, I'll just go. So I just got home as soon as I could. And when I got there, it was like three police cars and like five policemen. I was like, <laughs> this is not a... It's not just a talk. No, no. Yeah. This is something more than that. So... Mm-hmm. I got there and they when they when I approached them they were like are you Joseph I was like yeah and they were like all right could you step to the car and I was like all right and then all of a sudden he started mentioning that you've been hit with four counts of aggravated rape I was like what like to be honest with you that first time I was just like wait 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 I didn't know if I was having a dream or it was actually happening mm-hmm. bro so I was just like what and he was like yeah so step to the car put your hand on the car. And he patted me down and he took, I had keys and just uh, my phone in my pocket. So he took both and then he started to put the handcuffs on my hand. And bro, the one thing that really broke me was when I saw my mom crying, man. Cause I never done anything to make my mom cry before. So when I saw, the first time I saw her cry, I was just like, nah, man. Like it, it broke me, man. And I remember telling her because I was trying to make her feel better. So I was just like, no, nah, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back, mom. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be back because I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And they put me in the they put me in the car. And I remember when I was in the car, what I did, to be honest with you, is <laughs> I'm a Christian. So I started to worship God. That was the first thing I did, to be honest with you. I started to sing worship songs and uh, even... With the tough time that I was going through at that at that very hour, bro, I was still worshiping God and thanking God. That's and how it be. <laughs> yeah. And bro, they took me to the courthouse and they, you know, they had a court appointed lawyer come in to mm-hmm. see me. Cause at that time, you know, it just happened, so I don't have a lawyer yet. And they gave me a court appointed lawyer. So he she came down, she saw me, she went over some few things with me, got my name down and some few informations about me. And then she went upstairs. She's like, all right, they're going to call you upstairs. And when they call you upstairs, I'm going to try to see if I could get you a bail so you can get out. And she's like, how much do you think your family can post? And she's like, because these, with these charges, they, they ain't going to hit you. They ain't going to hit you with no low bail. They ain't going to give you like $2,000 or $1,000 bail. No, so not. probably like 10000 And I was like, nah. <laughs> At that moment, I was like, nah, nah. I don't think I can make 10000 that day. And I was like. Uh, maybe I can make five thousand. Mm-hmm. I just threw them. I just threw it out there. Like maybe five thousand work for me. And she's like, "All right, I'll try to see if the judge will accept that." So we went upstairs. They called me upstairs, and then as soon as they called me upstairs, you know, I had the handcuffs on my hand and mm-hmm. all that. And I got upstairs, and they started to mention all the charges, and I was like, "What? Eight charges, bro? Four counts of aggravated rape wow. and." Aggravated rape ain't normal rape, bro. No. <laughs> That's normal rape will probably get you a mandatory of ten years, but aggravated is like twenty years or more. Damn. And uh, bro, niggas wanted you to do this life and the next life. Yeah, right? they, they <laughs> yeah. do not want you just this life. Yeah, bro. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. gotta go and come just, back. Just stay. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a death sentence, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you just gonna man. stay there till you grow old, bro. Yeah. Probably never see the light of day, bro. So it was just. I just I was just standing in front of the judge and I remember uh the lawyer came up, I think for some reason she pulled up everything about me, all my info from when I was in high school and middle school and all that. So she pulled it all up and then she realized that I hadn't I'd never gotten in trouble before. Mm-hmm. Never, like my whole record is clean. So 
she went up there and then she was like, well, I checked his record and all that. He's clean. Never even got in trouble in school before. And the judge was like, all right. So the judge was like, so uh, what do you want us to do right now? He's like, I want, I'd like for you to give him a bail of $5,000. And by God's grace, the judge accepted the $5,000, you know, but the prosecutor was trying to get them to give me like $25,000 or without bail or to hold me without bail. So I was like, man, I never been to jail before. So I didn't know how it was going to be. All I heard of stories about how jail yeah. is. So I was just like, man, I remember even the $5,000, I remember it was on a week. It was on a Friday. And during the weekend, you can't get bailed out from the courthouse. So you basically have to stay in jail for the weekend uh-huh. and then get bailed out on mo- on, on a weekday, yeah, on yeah. Monday. I didn't want that to happen, so I was just like, "Man, nah, I can't, I can't go to jail." <laughs> like, nah, I didn't see myself going to jail. I've never seen myself going to jail, and that's why I've always tried to do the right thing. So I was, I just didn't want to go to jail. So I remember after they, we talked about it, you know, the lawyer went up because uh, a couple of my family members were there and a couple of church members were there. So he, um, the lawyer went to talk to them and then to find out if they can come up with five thousand dollars to try to bail me out. And they said, all right, they're going to try. So they went up and they said that, yo, they, they literally going to come up with it. So uh, my lawyer should let me know that they I should just sit tight. Mm-hmm. So my lawyer came downstairs and saw me. And then she was like, well, your family says they're going to try to come up with the with the $5,000 to bail you out. So let's hope that they, they get it in sh- uh, like early so you don't have to go to the jail and all that. So, man, I remember I was in there. I looked at the time. Because mostly the vans from the jail come to pick people up at like, I think, 4 p.m. or 5 mm-hmm. p.m. And I looked at the time, man. I, I hadn't heard anything about my family members coming to bail me. So I was like, oh, man, I'm really going to go to jail. I'm really going to have to spend the weekend in jail. And, man, I remember I was there and I just went down on my knees, bro, and I just started praying. And to be honest with you, man, I was crying when I was praying. And I was telling God that... Uh, this is not how I imagine my life to be, and I don't want my life to be like this. So, he, God, please take me out of this situation right now because I don't know what to do, bro. I was just pacing around the room, yo, and I was just praying. It was like I was crazy. Like, if, if you could have seen me on camera that day with, like, no voice or anything, you just see me walking around there, you think I'm crazy. And that was just the state that I was in at that moment. Mm-hmm. So, I remember... Um, the van came, the van picked me up. <laughs> this is the fun, this, this is the crazy thing. The van picked me up, right? And when we were going, that was when my uncle was coming in with the money wow. to the courthouse. So wow. when he got oh, there, man. so basically the van left and then he went that way. So when he got to the courthouse, they told him that, nah, he ain't here. They, they already took him to the jail. So you if, if you're going to make, if you're going to bail him out, you're going to have to go all the way to the jail. So he... I mean, when I got to the jail, the clerk had already called over there that, you know, my family's going to come bail me out. So they shouldn't, you know, take me to any unit. But they still told me that I still had to go through the process. Mm-hmm. Basically, you get your fingerprints, get the mug shut, everything. And they even have to have you talk on the phone just so they can recognize your voice. Mm. And really? Yeah. That's, that's wow. I've never heard that before. Feel, feel that's like, yeah. That's really... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, feeling in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Yo, y'all got to stay out of jail, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the right thing. You know, it's not a place you want to be at, man. I've been there, and 
it's just crazy, bro. So, I mean, I sat there, and my uncle came to bail me out. Uh, it was one of our pastors that was also here, too. Right now, he's in California. He came also, and he also helped bail me out. And I remember that day. I mean, that week was youth week. You know how we have youth week at our church mm-hmm, and all sure. that stuff? So sure. the youth basically take care of the whole program and everything mm-hmm. at church. And I was supposed to share the word of God on Sunday, on that Sunday. And I remember the pastor was there that day. He came to bail me out. So he asked me, he was like, uh, are you going to be able to share the word of God on Sunday? Because I know that you just gone through a whole dilemma right now. Yeah. And I know that you might not be in the right mind to mm-hmm. be able to do something like that. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll still do it. I'll still do it. So I told him that I'm going to just pray and that God lead me. So... I was able to do it, and actually people liked the sermon, and I remember uh, they set a court date for me, because after I bailed out that day, mm-hmm. they set a court date for me on June 16th of 2018, 2018, so uh, during 2018, that- 2018, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, 2018, June 16th, I had to go back for a uh, pre-trial hearing, mm-hmm. so- uh, I got out the house that morning. I already said my prayer, and you know I was feeling confident because in my mind, yeah, I did, I did nothing. So I'm going into the courthouse confident that I'm gonna beat the case, and uh, I thought that I was just gonna go in and come right back out because they they don't have any evidence against me or nothing. It's just what the person is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got ready. One of my family friends came over to pick me up, and as soon as I we got out the house, bro. We were about to, we were walking up to his car when two people got out of the got out of a car, which means they've been basically sitting in the parking lot waiting for me, mm-hmm. and they approached us, and they were like, so I thought they were from the courthouse because I never been in the system, so I thought that maybe they send two policemen or two mm-hmm. detectives to make sure that you show up to court. Yeah, that's what I was thinking at that time. So when I saw them, I was just like, um, oh, I'm on my way to the courthouse, so. And they were like, no, 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 we we ain't from the courthouse. We, we, we're immigration. And I was like, oh, that's when it got real. I was like, nah. Like, now it went from bad to worse. Like, in a second, bro. And I was just like, uh, yeah. So they took everything away from me, told my family, uh, my family, our family friend to step back. And then he was like, wait, I need to know where you're taking them. At least tell me where you, you guys are taking them. And then he's like, oh, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. But for now, just step back. And they put the handcuffs on me. So instead of going to court that day, I went to I went into immigration custody. Wow. And wait, so they didn't even tell anybody where they were you, they were taking you? Well, they they gave the address to. Oh, afterwards. To, okay. Yeah, after they handcuffed me and put me in the car, they told uh, the family friend that they were going to take me to Burlington. That's where their headquarters is and all that gotcha. stuff. So they took me there and. I, I was thinking that, hey, maybe they're going to take me to a place where it's just an open place for immigrants or something like that. But nah, I didn't know that they were taking me to a, a, a jail. Like a cell. Yeah, yeah a real oh, jail. Geez. So I guess that's where they keep, you know, people from, mm-hmm. uh, people who are in immigration custody who are from Mass. So they took me to Plymouth, Plymouth County. Oh, really? You went to Plymouth yeah. County? yeah. And I spent three and a half. I spent three and a half months in there, and bro, those three and a half months, bro, I, I basically like we got the immigration lawyer. Our the first time he actually represented me, 
he was trying to get me a bailout mm-hmm. because he knew that the only thing I had on my record, or it wasn't really on my record, but the only thing that I had going on in my life was those charges. Yeah. And I have a clean record. So uh, he tried to get me a bail, but then they're like, nah, they denied it because what they were basically trying to say was that, uh, oh, I have these charges, so therefore I'm a danger to my community and I'm not supposed to be here. So they're basically trying to stand on that and deport me. Wow. And, yeah, I spent three and a half months in there, and, like, God made a way. You know what I'm saying? Because when they denied the bail that day, I didn't know what else to do. Because mm-hmm. now, because then, like, your your options become very narrow. Like, yeah, of course. Because you don't know what to do now. So I need to find another way. And God willing, one, of, one dude that was in there with, his name is uh, Tabia. I'm very close with him. So him, he, 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 he searched something. He was like, yo, bro, I found out about this. The papers that they give you when they first arrest you, they have to have some kind of information on it. They, if they're missing just one of that, that one information from that, bro, like you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they have to it. let you yeah. go. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna let my lawyer, you know, check it out. So I let my, I told my, my pops and then he told my lawyer, my lawyer was like, yeah, but they're making it difficult even to let people like that go. Mm-hmm. So my lawyer was still iffy about it. Like, man, he didn't think it was going to work. So we went to court to file that uh, that motion. So we, he filed the motion, and bro, <laughs> man, God is good, man. <laughs> that same day, the judge terminated my case wow. with immigration. That is amazing. Wow. So he terminated it, and... I was just sitting there. Now I didn't know what else to do because I didn't know what what was next. Yeah. So I was just sitting in there. I thought they were gonna let me go right away, but nah, they still held me in there. And to be honest with you, I didn't know what was gonna happen. So I was just in there, always hoping like they'll just call my name one day and just say that, "Yo, you're out of here." Mm-hmm. But I was waiting and waiting, and I wasn't hearing that. So, uh, man, I just, I just put it in prayer and I just kept praying about it that God just help me get out of here because I was mostly thinking about my little brothers man I have two little brothers that oh. I really love and during that time man I remember my mom whenever I speak to my parents on the phone they used to tell me that man one of my little brothers who like he was also diagnosed a little bit with autism mm-hmm. so he would always go to my room and he would just lay down on my bed and he would always cry and ask when I'm coming home because I'm really close with my two little brothers and he'll always cry about that. And my mom, my parents will not know what to tell him. Mm-hmm. They don't know when I'm coming home. So I was just in there. And every time I call, I speak to him and he'll ask me, Joe, when are you coming home? And I don't know what to tell him. So I'll just be like, you just pray for me, man. Just pray for me that God brings me home soon. You know, I'm also praying. And I'm, I know I'm going to be home soon. I tell him that. And... I got to a point where he was getting frustrated because I would say that to him yeah, of course. and I'm not coming home. So, uh, not knowing, during the whole time they were still holding me after uh, the they terminated my case, they they were in contact with Lemister Police because I still had that, that case open yeah. with, with those charges. And I think their mindset was that they were going to see if at least one of those charges like I'll get found guilty for one of those charges so they can stand on that and basically deport me because all those charges were like basically felony stuff yeah. so they were just 
I think that was just that was just what they were hoping for. And uh, so they called Lummis the police and let them know that hey, we're gonna let this guy go. But I know we know that you guys still have a case with him, so you guys can can pick him up. And they thought <laughs> handing you around—that's awful. <laughs> exactly. So they th- uh, so Lummis the police thought that um, I was basically at home. So they went home to my and they knocked on the door and my dad was there and they asked my dad oh where's joseph and then he's like he's not here and they were like no where's joseph and he's like he's not here he's in immigration custody and they were like oh all right so they left and that was a wednesday that they did that on so on that friday i was just on the block on the unit with all the other immigrants and i heard my name called and they were like oh pack your things bmb you're out of here so in my mind, I was just like, oh, shoot, I'm out of here. I was like, Yo, I was happy. Yeah. I, I thought that I was going right home to my family. And I got to I, I got to the place, the uh, classification. They took my stuff. They gave me back the clothes that I, I had on when they first arrested me. And I put them on. As soon as I, I finished putting them on, man, I thought that, you know, it was probably they were probably gonna send me to their headquarters back in Burlington, mm-hmm. and then have me call my family to come pick me up from there. So that's what I was thinking. And as soon as I got out, you know, there were two people there. It was Lumberster Police, and they put handcuffs on me again, and they put me right in the car, and then they drove me right to Lumberster Court. So, <laughs> oh, you didn't even get a chance to just like no. Oh man, not even no. a breather. You literally no, straight bro. to the courthouse. <laughs> straight to the courthouse. And I remember the handcuffs were on tight that day, bro. Like I had a mark on my wrist from the, the handcuffs being so tight. And you know, at, at that moment, I didn't blame them because you know sometimes human beings we can be judgmental. So they probably look at me and say that man, this guy's a sick dude. He did this to somebody. Mm-hmm. So, but they're also in a position where they shouldn't be biased in that yeah, sense. Yeah, but you could just see it. Sometimes they don't have to say it, but you could just see it from their, the way they look at you, the, the way... Their mannerism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, so man, they took me to the courthouse, and then I found out that they had a warrant for my arrest. And I was like, a warrant? I remember I was standing there with my my uh, court-appointed lawyer. And I was just like, wait, 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 why do they have a warrant out for me? Because... I couldn't show up to court because I was in immigration custody. It's not like I just decided not to come yeah. to court. So why can they have a warrant out for me? And they were just like, the 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 court appointed lawyer was like, you just, just calm down. We're just going to try to convince the, the judge. And I was just like, no, nah, man, you can't tell me to calm down. You're yeah. not in this situation. Right. Like, like, yeah. You're telling me right. to cool it. Yeah. Man, right. Chill no, out, bro. Come <laughs> on, what's wrong with you? No, what? <laughs> like, no, man, this is my life. Like, yeah. I'm looking at it like, nah, this is my life. Like, you're telling me to calm down? Like, I know what I'm facing. And then she, was, she told the judge that, oh, he was in immigration custody and immigration denied uh, our, our, you see, they have you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they 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 filed a ha- uh, a hay request to have you in, and immigration basically denied it. They were like, "No, we're not t- we're not bringing them to court." So I missed two court dates. That's why they had the warrant out for me, and basically, I I was held two months without bail. I had no bail, and I was just in there, and I called my 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 father. One time, and then he was like, "Oh, we we, we got you a, a 
a private court, a private uh, lawyer, mm-hmm. and he's gonna be taking your case. So when he calls you, just uh, or when he comes to see you, just let him know whatever's going on. And he came to see me. Yo, man, that that lawyer, he, he's he's a good person, man. That's all I can say. That's a great lawyer, man. Mm-hmm. And he's right here in Worcester. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. God man. bless you. God bless yeah. you wherever you at. I don't know if I can mention his name. No, his information is going to be in the description. <laughs> Anybody yeah. that needs him. Yeah, man. He's, he's, a, he's a great lawyer, man. Nah, bless him and bless you, bro. Honestly. And that's it. When he came to me, he was just like, all right, I've done this job for 40, over 40 years. He was an old man. I've done this job for over 40 years. I was a defense attorney. Oh, no. He said he was a persecutor. For 20 years, and now he's a defense attorney. He's been a defense attorney for 20 years, too. I was like, oh. Wow. Man, you've been doing the- <laughs> a little bit of experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Man. So he was like, so he just came to ask me because he said I was old enough mm-hmm. to decide whether I want him to represent me or not. So he came to see me, even though my family hired him. He still wanted to I know. Yeah. So he came to me, and he was like, all right, so this and this and this is what I've done. This is my record of, of the kind of cases that I've done and all that stuff and then he was like so would you want me to re- represent you i was like yeah <laughs> i see the credentials i was like yeah man <laughs> need that absolutely right <laughs> when could you start <laughs> exactly because man i was looking to get out of there yeah. and then he was just like all right so the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna try to get your bill and i was like all right so a month later, we went to court, and then because uh, they still held me without bail. So when we went to court a month later, he let them know that now nah, they can't do that, cause, mm-hmm. especially when it's not my fault. They can't hold me without bail. So at that time, you know what? What you do is basically when you when you miss court, whatever money you bailed out with, they take it, they revoke mm-hmm. it, so they keep it. And I had five thousand with them, so I was just like, man, that five thousand dollars that I bailed out with, it was still with them, so they held it. And my lawyer was able to convince the judge that uh, he should give me bail. So he gave me bail, but he gave me a $10,000 bail. He had a 5000 more to it. And I looked at it, and my lawyer was like, yeah, but you know, we can't bail you out right now. I was like, yeah. The reason why he said that is because I also knew that we can't, I can't get bailed out yet because immigration was still basically keeping an eye on me. Uh, okay. And with the... Well, the times that we were in with, you know, former president, immigration was basically doing whatever they want. Yeah. So they, they can decide not to let you finish your case and they can just pick you up again just to mess with you. That's and, awful. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So my, my immigration lawyer had was in, was in contact with my criminal law attorney. So he told him that, nah, don't don't let them bail him out yet because with the way immigration is going right now, they can just decide to pick him up yeah. for no reason. So he told me that, yo, I should just sit in there and just, you know, try to fight the case, try to beat the case in there. And I was like, man, it's going to be hard. I've never been in jail before. And now you're telling me I have to just stay in there for however long the case is going to take. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when it's going gonna, it's gonna to end. So I was just in there every day, bro. And I was just always praying that, you know. The time will come where and I'll just get out and I'll be able to see my family. Mm-hmm. And my mom, my dad, they couldn't come see me because, man, they didn't. Ju- they just didn't want to see me in that state, man. It's a lot. Bro. It's they hard. It's hard. Not. Yeah, they couldn't take it, bro. So I was just in there. I never. When I was in there, they never came to visit me there. They only. We, I only spoke to them on the phone because I knew they couldn't take it. And 
I understood it because it's good that you understood that yeah not many people would understand in that situation yeah to see their own. it couldn't have been easy though yeah and no it wasn't no matter easy. how understanding you are a person that shit would kill me i'd be in there every day just you just square you know oh bro, my god a thousand push-ups an hour dude. <laughs> <laughs> literally just yo it god was just crazy you, and the first visit that i ever got was from my aunt and my uncle and they came in my uncle spoke to me and my aunt she was she couldn't even sit down. You know, there was a glass between us, so you have to speak through the phone. Yeah. And just look at them through the glass. Oh, man. So, my aunt, she was just standing there, and then she was just crying the whole time, yo. She didn't even say a word. She was just crying the whole time. And my uncle tried to give her the phone to talk to me. She got on the phone, and then she, she couldn't even say a word, bro. She just cried. Mm. And to be honest with you, that just, that, that really broke me. And I was, yo... That day I cried. I ain't gonna lie. I cried that day, bro, because it just hurt me to see my family go through that. And I didn't know that as I was hurting, they was also hurting too. Yeah, of course. I would have cried every day. Are you kidding me? Not just that day. Yo. Oh, you have a strong mental to for be sure. able to go through that, yeah, bro. For sure. Bless that's you. That's what I'm saying. It was my faith that kept me going because in there, it's not easy, man. And the crazy thing is there's so many people in there who take medications just so they can sleep away their time. Like, oh. Yo, because they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. So you see, when they call for medication, a long line, bro. And some people are not even sick. They don't have... They're literally <laughs> just taking it to pass time. Yeah, they just take it and they just go... Some Somebody can just sleep a whole day because they're on medication. Wow. They just don't oh. want to... They just don't want to picture themselves in there. Like, so they'll just sleep it. They'll just sleep it away. And then another day will come, they do the same thing. And it was just ridiculous, man. That must take a toll, though, on your body as well. Bro. (laughs) Yo. yeah. It's a way to speed up the exit. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. But, yo, and the thing is, the medications actually mess with you, too, at some Mm. point. Because you're not sick, and you're just taking it in. Mm -hmm. So. Did you try? Was it busted? Because, because I saw one dude in there, man. He took medication so many times, his leg got swollen. And I was oh, like, oh, no way. Man. I am not doing that. Yeah. I mean, forgive me, bro. Niggas just trying to make light of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong time. Wrong time. Wrong time. <laughs> time. I'll you know? teach him. I'll teach him. <laughs> Wrong time, man. Fuck, but, bro. <laughs> yo. And I mean, just, just imagine you just being in a place where you don't know anybody and you just... Meet meet a, a bunch of random people, and he just and everybody has serious charges, and he's just like man. And then one person goes to court, gets found guilty, gets like twenty years or more, and he just like no, he only had one of those charges, oh, and I got yeah. four, and, and I got four of them. Bro, how did you survive? <laughs> what was the all right? Besides- it was my faith, man. Okay, that's, yeah, that's all I could say because I'll read the Bible and I'll just pray. And there was one dude that I used to walk around with, <laughs> the one Jamaican dude. He always walk around with me, and he'd be like, "Yo," he used to call me Ghana, because he found out that I was from Ghana. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "Yo, Ghana," he gave me that name. So everybody started calling me Ghana in there. Nah. And then he was like, "Yo, Ghana, I don't understand. Why is it that every time, like, you're always calm? Like, we all going through this, mm-hmm. but then you, you're always calm." How do you keep calm in that situation? And I was just like, man, because I've put my faith in God, and I know that God is going to help me out of this situation. 
at a point in time. I know that it might it, it might not look like it right now, but at some point I know that I believe that God will come through for me. And I sometimes I'll read a scripture from the word. I'll, I'll give him a scripture from the word of God and I'll use it to encourage him. And that'll also help him go through the day. Mm-hmm. And I remember at some point he was like, oh, you know what? I'm trying to come up with a nickname for you because... He, he, he told me that, bro, in my whole life, I never met somebody like you, bro. Like, because, you know, one thing, how I was raised, my family, we love to give a lot. So mm. when I got in there, there's some people whose family, basically, their families neglect them when they're in there, especially when with those kind of charges. And we're all put in the same place because we all have the same charges mm-hmm. and we're all put in protective custody. So... Because the kind of charges you can't put them in general yeah, population, I, so some people's family just neglect them, and they basically have nothing to it. And the jail food, so like you can't really depend on that. Like it doesn't really taste good sometimes. There are days when it's just bad. What and, were they? What were they serving? Uh, they'll serve pasta sometimes. It was always like starch, starchy oh, food, yeah. like potatoes. Just pasta. to fill you, I feel like yeah, yeah. Oh. and. It wasn't even cooked to the way like it wasn't mm-hmm. even cooked to your liking. Yeah. Like you like the way you would spend time in your house and cook it well, it wasn't like that because it was mass production. So yeah, whatever you get, you get. And there's some people, and sometimes you have to order ca- canteen. So really, I thank God that my family was able to put money on my canteen for me every time, and I will we'll order stuff. But even the stuff that we order, it's not really that good for your health either. I gained a lot of weight when I got there, bro. Because all you get is noodles, like basically, yeah, noodle soup and all that stuff. Like it's just food to survive. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Nothing else. No taste. Nothing. Oh. No, bro. And you got you, you always got to come up with a way to make your food taste good. Yeah. So since I was, you know, I was blessed enough to have my family put money on my books all the time. You know, sometimes I'll share with other people uh, who don't have it. And that's Bless why, you, bro. Bless that's you. why, yeah, the Jamaican dude, he looked at me and was like, bro, I never, and, yo, I never met somebody like you, man. And like you, I, the fact that I encourage him when he's down and all that, and the fact that I've never been in that, I've never been to jail before. And, you know, he just looked at me like, man, you've never been in this situation before. So he just didn't understand how I was, just, I was just that calm, man. And he would look at me and be like, bro, I just don't know how you do it. And I always encourage him. I always give him a word. Then he'll get through the day with it. And one time, so he was like, yo, I got to give you a nickname, man. And I was like, all right, whatever you come up with. <laughs> and then he said, all right, I guess he got it from the Bible. Because in the Bible, there's a part in the Bible that says that uh, we will be like Mount Zion that can never be removed, but abides forever. Basically, nothing that comes your way will move you. Mm-hmm. You'll be strong. And he looked at me and was like, bro, I'm going to call you Young Zion. And I was like, okay, all right, if that's what you want to call me. So he gave me that name. And, you know, I remember even him getting to his court date, he was stressed out. He was like, man, God, I now always give him a word. And then even till today, bro, his family, his family hits me up. And, I, you know, I met a couple of people over there that were good people. When I got out. I mean, I still kept in touch with them. I kept in touch with eight families and eight like, families. Not, not their families. Oh, oh I yeah. Guess you, I was like, Jesus, <laughs> so, bro. So I mean, 
sometimes you know they'll they'll deliver a message from their families to me mm-hmm. and i'll also tell them yo just keep your faith i'm praying for you and um the, there's a couple of dudes that got out after I got out. So when they, well, as soon as they got out, they looked for my number and they called. They're like, "Yo, got out." I was like, "Yeah, it was good." And they're like, "Yo, I'm out." Oh, That's amazing, man. man. Yeah, there was one dude that actually recently got out, like I think a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he got out, because every time his mom used to text me and I'll text his mom back, encourage his mom and all that, and you know he'll call sometimes. Through the uh, and you talk to me mm-hmm. through his mom's phone, and mm-hmm. I was like, I always encourage him, yo, keep the faith. I know you're gonna get out of this. You know, the God who did it for me is gonna do the same for you. So that'll give him hope. And then he he's like, yeah, because I remember at some point he was feeling down because he didn't know if he was ever gonna see his family again. He didn't know they were gonna put him away forever. So I mean, he'll call me. I'll encourage him. So the day he got out, man, he was in the car when he called me. As soon as he got to the car, man, <laughs> he called me. He was like, God, I'm out. I was oh, like, man. oh, man. Y'all it's only so right. happy. Wow. It's, it's only right. God, yeah. I was happy for him. Man. Wow. He was like, yo, God, we have to hang out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, we will. We will. So, yeah. I mean, I still keep in touch with a lot of the people that I was in there with. And... You know, I, I'm still praying for the ones that are still in there and hoping that they'll also come out at some point. Because I know how it is. It sucks in there, man. To wake up every morning, basically the same routine every day. Yeah. You wake up in the morning, you go to breakfast, you come back, you sleep, you go to lunch, you come back. It's the same. It's like it gets. It's like when you're out, when you're out here, when you're home and you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you get sick of it. You want to go somewhere. You want to clear your head. You want yeah. to take a little vacation or something. But in there, you're just stuck in there. You can't. You can't and, escape. Yep, you can't, bro. And you just in there every day, the same thing over and over again. And I had to do that for like two years. And man, it sucked. The on two years. Yeah, man. On June 11th, that was when I went for my trial, hmm. 2020. And that's from, so basically from 2018 to 2020. That was two years, and I got to I, you know, that was when the pandemic was mm-hmm. serious. So the courts weren't open, and a lot of people were getting their court dates pushed back to like the next year. So some people got to wait for a whole year, especially those in superior court. Mine was still in district because they dropped my charges down mm. from the aggravated rape to indecent assault. Because they had no evidence for it. And um, so we went to trial for that. I still had the other charges on me. And when we went to trial, my trial was the first uh, trial in uh, in Worcester County to be done on on Zoom. Oh, Mine really? was the first to be done on Zoom because the judge was just trying to get rid of the case. Because he was like, yo, this case is taking too long in here. I just want to get it over with. So this man can have either have his freedom or... If, if he's found guilty, then he can just do his time. So I was in there. I got in there. I remember the night before my uh, the first day of my trial. It took two days for the trial. I was doing a bench trial, which is just you, the persecutor, your, your defense attorney, and the judge, plus the alleged victims. And I was just in there. And I said, they, they took me to a room. They sat me down on Zoom conference. So I was just there. And, you know, we started the whole trial. When we started, man, I didn't know how to feel, man. Because I remember the night before, man, I was anxious. Yeah. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. But I believed in God that God was going to help me get get through this. Because 
you know, I was supposed to have the trial originally on in January of 2020, but uh, it, it stretched all the way yeah. out to June because of the pandemic and also because the DA out of nowhere, because in the beginning they said they didn't have any evidence, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they dropped the charges. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the December of 2019, they said that, oh, they found, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> just some proof to say just it was some, something. Just something. something, yeah, like, basically, uh, the DNA of a male on the girl. Yeah. And it was all the way in Washington, so they're going to get it over, and then I'll, I'll basically see what's in there. So I had to wait for another month, and January came, which was the, the time when I was supposed to have the trial. Yep. And when they came, they asked for more time because they said the, uh, the results came, but they need to take my DNA now. And this is after, like, basically almost two years. Yeah. So you telling me it took you that long to even find something when you guys originally said there was nothing. Yeah. So all of a sudden, something just came out of the blue. And I was like, all right. So my lawyer came to me and said, all right, so what are we going to do? You can refuse it. You can refuse to take the DNA or, or you can just take it. And he said, so whatever you want to do. And I was like, man, to be honest with you, I don't want to do this because I don't trust people in general. Because out, out of nowhere, they come up with something. Right. What if they, they're trying to frame me? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was, I was telling my lawyer. And my lawyer was like, no, they can't frame you. Because so, what, what I'll do is that after they take your DNA, I'm also going to take a sample of that DNA and do my own research on that DNA. And I was like, all right. And then he was like, but he, he, he told me that when we go to court, he's going to refuse it, though. He's going to tell the judge, no, mm-hmm. it's not necessary for them to take my DNA because we're, we're supposed to do a trial. Yeah. And they're just prolonging it. And they, they've kept me in there for too long. Just basically try to get it done and over with instead yeah. of, like, yeah, play along with yep. them. So we got there, and I was like, hey, I'll just leave it to the judge's discretion. I'll let the judge make the decision. That's what I said because I prayed about it. I was like, you know, when my lawyer told me I, I couldn't make the decision right away because I didn't know what decision to make mm-hmm. whether to say yes or no to like taking the letting them have my my sample so i was just like i, I told a lawyer i was gonna play or pray about it and i let him know so i prayed about it that whole week and it got to the point where you know we went to court and when we got to court my lawyer said all right so what was my decision i was like i don't know i'm gonna just let the judge make his own decision so make the decision from, uh, I'll, I'll let him use his own discretion. So he, the, my lawyer was like, all right. So when we went up there, they called my name. I got up there and, oh man, they, <laughs> they had me over there. And my lawyer said that he, does, he, he wouldn't want them to take my samples because this case has been dragged out too long. And he just wants to get the case done with, over and done with. But he said that, he told the judge that, but my client says that he's going to leave it to your discretion for you to make that decision whether you're going to allow the Commonwealth to take his DNA sample or not. So the judge sat down, the judge was like, he, he, he accepted the, the DA's uh, motion mm-hmm. to actually allow them to get my sample. So I was like, all right, that's whatever. They, so I, right after that, I went straight downstairs and the DA came over there with one one policeman. And, you know, they came, they took a swab mm-hmm. of me, they, you know, they put in the thing, they said, all right, it'll take about a month because they were going to expedite it. 
to oh. make sure that it gets done quickly. So man, that was January. January. <laughs> man, I was <clears throat> in there, bro. February came, March came, still hadn't heard nothing from them. April. That was when it came in. I think it was April that it came in, the results. And my lo- my lawyer basically came to see me. When he came to see me, I was just like, all right. Because in my mind, I was like, I hope they ain't trying to frame me. Mm-hmm. So when he came to see me, he laid everything down. He was like, well, you were actually excluded from everything. They didn't, it was it, no DNA match, nothing. Everything they, they tested for, you, you were excluded from it. And I was just like, man, I was, to be honest, I was very happy, man. I was just like, yo. I would have so, been balling. What do you mean? I would have been like, get me out of here. Yo, th- yeah, that's what I was that, thinking. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, so what's next? What's next? <laughs> I looked at him. He was like, all right, all right. Right now, uh, I'm, he said he's going to he's gonna tell the DAA, <laughs> why do you guys want to go after this? I mean, because y'all don't have any evidence that he did this. And it's just a hearsay, and even the hearsay, like they don't, it's not really that strong. Yeah. So the the the, the persecutor was like, I'm gonna have to ask the family. So persecutor went in and asked the alleged victims and her family, and they basically they were just gonna go on with it. So I had to go to trial for it, and they set the trial date for June, June 11th. That's when I went on my trial. And then sitting over there and just not knowing what was going to happen next. So I was just like, man, I got to keep my faith. So in there, I, was, I remember I was praying. I was praying in my head. I was just talking to God. And as soon as I sat down on a Zoom conference, you know, they mentioned my name. And they'll ask you, that is that you? And I'm like, yeah, it's me. And then my lawyer spoke and the DA spoke. So... Through all, through it all, I mean, the girl's family came. They also spoke, and t- literally, like now they were trying to add something more to it, like because they knew they didn't have a strong case. Yeah. So, man, this girl's family came, and they and then they said that I threatened the girl. That if the girl said anything, I would kill her. Man, I've never even thought about killing anybody before. I'm not that kind of person, bro. Yeah. Like I, I don't get in trouble first of all because I like, I love my family. I'm a family dude. I love, I love my family. I love being around my family. I barely go out to even hang out with people. So, just hearing that, and I was like, what? <laughs> like I said, I was gonna kill her if she said anything about right? this. Like, and I was just stunned at that at that moment. So, I, I, I raised my hand because you can. If you need to talk to your lawyer, you can you can just raise your hand and then they'll pause the Zoom conference. Gotcha. You can go to another room just with your lawyer and you speak to your lawyer. So I raised my hand that I needed to speak to my lawyer. So it was just me and my lawyer and I was just like, oh, I don't know why this, this woman is trying to say that because I've never done anything like that. To threaten to kill somebody? Uh, and then he was like, I know, I know, but we're going to get to this. So I spoke to my lawyer a little bit, gave him a little run, rundown of my part of the story a little more into detail Mm -hmm. and then he's like all right so we went back and he was my lawyer's turn to ask questions so he started asking the woman questions and this woman literally said that yeah uh the police knew Mm -hmm. that um 
my lawyer only asked the woman one question actually one question he was like all right you claim that my client said this and this that he would he threatened your daughter so basically your daughter if 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 your daughter spoke anything said anything about this and she was like yeah 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 my daughter did when we went to the police station my daughter said it so, several times and my lawyer was like, but it was it was never written in the police report. So why are you saying this right now? This is new to every one of us. Mm-hmm. So why are you saying this right now? And then she's like, yeah, my daughter said it at the police station. And he asked, are you sure she said it at the police station? She said, yes. So all my lawyer did was he, he had them call in the detective that put down, down the police report. And then the detective came in and then my lawyer asked, all right, so this is what this woman is saying. Uh, and we want to know. That, that this woman actually say this to you and the 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 police the detective was like you know I'm, i'll have to check my notes because anything she said i put on there so whatever that is not on there she never said mm. and the the detective checked the notes and he was like nah it's not on you which means she never said that mm. so basically they were trying to come up with something yeah out of the blue make it stick yes yes because they knew that the case wasn't going their way at some point and bro, I just remember just being in there, and I was—I knew God was fighting for me that day, and uh, it got to—it it was my turn now to answer questions. And the DA came, started asking me questions, and the crazy part about that whole thing is, let's say I'm there with you. You—you're—I you, mean, we're around the same age, yeah. And you ask, let's say somebody asks you, "Are you sexually active?" What do you mean by that? Mm. I am. I, I had a girlfriend at that time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and basically we're just trying to make it frame like, all right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I did that then, and my lawyer had to step in and be like, "Nah, I object to that because you can't ask my client that question." So the the judge objected to it. So the whole thing, man. I don't know. I don't even know how I was speaking because you know how sometimes persecutors can twist some things yeah, to yeah, make yeah. you admit to things that you didn't even do. I don't know how I was able to answer every question. And (laughs) it was just crazy, bro. Like, and that's when I knew that, man, when you actually pray and put your faith in God, man, things actually do happen for you, man. And I was answering the questions that I didn't, I I never been, you got to remember, I never been in court before. I never been in trouble before. So me answering the questions and not falling into the traps, it was That's amazing, yeah. Yes. I didn't even know I was doing that. So I remember after the whole thing, the judge went inside to make his decision. So he took a break from everybody. He went to a room to make his decision. He came back. It didn't even take him five minutes. I don't even think it took him five minutes. He came back, and then he was just like, all right, so with this case, I mean, I heard what whatever the young girl said and all that, and I know how hard it is for young girls to say that, things like that. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, but from what I heard from my own discretion, He's not guilty of all charges. And I that was eight charges, man. I was just stood there. Yo, <laughs> that was the happiest day of my life, man. I was just sitting out there looking at the camera, and I was just like, oh, it didn't hit me right away, right? It did not hit me right away. I was just sitting out there looking at the camera. I was like, and then my lawyer had to come in and be like, like after they left, I was still staring at the camera like, did this happen? Like, I didn't know whether it was reality. I wasn't like, I didn't know what was going on. It was like the first day, you right? You know what I mean? You yeah. Just, you can't believe it. You don't know. And it's like the way I pictured myself being, like when I finally beat the case, 
that's not what that's not what happened because I was picturing myself like yes like you know being like yeah I beat the case but that's not what happened at that moment I was just sitting out there looking at the camera like did this just happen and my after they all left my lawyer was the one on on the conference with me and he was like Joe we beat the case I was like yeah <laughs> and then he was like why why what's are you okay i was like yeah yeah i'm good i'm good it's just that i can't believe it and then he was like i can't believe it either because you know in his mind he he says it's rare for somebody to beat all those charges hate charges because at least they'll try to let one stick yeah and the fact that i beat all the charges he said in his years of working man my case is one of the best cases he's ever had and he'll never forget that case, man, until he dies, bro. He literally said that to my pops, and he couldn't believe it. And No one's going to forget this. No, no one's going to forget man. this. Not after this, That's honestly. Really nice, bro. Man, it's crazy, man, because hmm. sometimes I just used to be in there thinking, like, man, what, am I ever going to get out? Like, what's going to happen to me? Like, what do people think about my family on the outside? Hmm. Yeah, you know. In our community as Ghanaians, it's different, man. It's like just one thing can happen; it can go everywhere. Yeah, real quick. It spread, spread like wildfire. Yeah. yeah, wildfire. Yeah. So, I was thinking, yo, my my dad being a deacon at church, you know how it is, hmm. especially when you're in the church community. And I was thinking that, yo, what will people think about me? And that time too, I was like a youth secretary leader. At that time, <laughs> I deal with the youth people. Mm-hmm. So to hear all that, and it's just like, man. I didn't know. I, I didn't want anybody to throw dirt on my family name. I just I just didn't want it to be because of me that my family's name is tarnished or something like that. The reputation of my family is tarnished. So, because uh, everybody respected us, and for something like this to come just out of the blue was just I didn't. At first, I was thinking a lot about that. Like, what do people think about my family? What do people think about me? Mm-hmm. And one brother that was in there sat me down. He was like, "Bro, I've done this a lot and." If you say you're going to get out and think about what people say, man, you're never going to be happy in life because people are going to say what they're going to say. People are going to, whether you do good things or bad things, people are still going to say it. Mm -hmm. People are still going to find something to say about you. So don't really think about what people say. You know what I'm saying? Like when you get out there, you beat the case. You should be happy for that. You should be happy that you're out. You beat the case. Not everybody makes it out. not Not every innocent person in jail beats Makes, their case yeah. some people get found guilty and they end up doing time and later on and then later on they realize that okay this person didn't do it but then it's too late that person just you just ruined the person's life basically so i mean i was grateful for that i, I thank god that he took me out of that and even after i beat the case that day i, I was also thinking that man i'm going home now mm-hmm. another thing came in I guess still, since immigration was still following me and following the case, as soon as I beat the case, bro, basically immigration still had a hold on me. So they had to call immigration back again and let immigration know that, all right, he's done with his case. And immigration came to pick me back up. Man. Yo, just imagine, you've gone through all this, bro. I don't want to imagine that. What? It's crazy. That's, that's... You've gone, I, I went through all this thinking that, all right, now I beat the case, so I'm going home now. I'm going to see my family. Then all of a sudden, a dude comes in and then handcuffs me again, and I was like, man, I realized that it was a nice officer. And I was like, okay. 
and I had to go to immigration again. This time they took me to um, uh, they took me to a place uh, deep down in Gardner, somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was called Franklin County. Franklin County, and I didn't. It was just new to me. That place was new to me too. So my first immigration bit I did in Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Went through Worcester County for my criminal case, and then had to go straight to Franklin County for immigration again, to just wait and see the immigration judge again on the case, and basically have my lawyer let the immigration judge know that all right, he wasn't guilty for these charges, so you're gonna have to let him go. And we went to. I mean, it took a month, so I got I got out of there in June. I I finished, I beat my uh, my case in June. And I got out of immigration custody in, like, July 21st. And basically, it was just crazy, man. So, it was like, I went to I went to immigration court. And even that, I remember my dad was telling me when he went to see my immigration lawyer before the week for that trial. I mean, the week for, for us to go see the immigration judge. He said he got there and my lawyer was sweating. Because my lawyer was like, all right, all right. So, you, like, he's beating the case. So, right now, because immigration was tight at that time. Yeah. Because, you know, y'all know what was going on mm-hmm. with the former president and all Everything, that. Everything, yep. So, he, he, even the lawyer was still stressed out. He was like, man, if this was during Obama time, Obama's time, I wouldn't have to worry about this. Like, because he would, he would be out right now. So, he was sweating. <laughs> my, my dad said, yo, there was air conditioning in, in the lawyer's office, but he was sweating. And he was like, yo, I got I to gotta find a way to get your son out. And he he was like, I got to do my best now. I got to do my best to get your son out because he's like, you guys have been through too much, and I gotta I gotta try to find a way to help you guys. And he was just sweating bullets, and <laughs> and uh, we went there that day. I got you know I got called from my cell, and you know I went to sit down there, and the immigration judge basically. Called our because you have a case file number. Mm-hmm. They called us. We came in. We sat down, and then I guess the the DHS Department of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. their attorney, they didn't know that I had beaten the case. So they basically came in and they were like, "Oh well, we look at this. There's charges with this and that and that and that." So he's dangerous to the community, and, and my lawyer was like, "No, nah, he actually beat that case. He beat all the charges on that case," and. The judge was like, "Oh, he did." He's like, "Yeah." So they gave him a hard copy, hard copy of um, all the charges, and it said, "Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty" for all eight charges. And then the, the judge looked at him. He was like, "Oh, wow." And then he was like, "Okay." So we asked for a bond, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna give you a bond of like eight thousand." Man, after all the money we we had spent. From paying my immigration lawyer, from paying my uh, <laughs> criminal attorney, which was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So even after all that, now I got to pay $8,000 to get out of immigration custody again. And I was like, wow, I didn't know how they were going to come up with it. I thought they were going to give me like, since, because at first I was like, I was like on the high, you know, I was basically dangerous in, in immigration custody. They rank it. They have the low, the low custody people mm-hmm. and the high risk custody people. So at first I was a high risk guy. So after I beat my case, I was low. So I thought since I'm low, they're probably gonna give me like a thousand dollar, two thousand dollar bail or bond so I can get out. And I went to sit there. 
I was actually sure that I was going to get a bond. And I was sure that I was going to get a low bond. Not knowing they're going to give me $8,000 bond. I was like, oh, man. I was like, okay. At least, I still thank God for it. Because at least they gave me a bond. Some people get denied a bond. I was the only person that day that got a bond. What's the difference between a bond and uh, bail? It's the same thing. It's the same thing, right? But it's just that in immigration, they use a different term. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they gave me $8,000 bond. And... Other people, everybody that went to court that day got denied a bond. Yeah. I was the only person that got a bond that day. And as soon as I got, I got out of the court, uh, the conference, I called my mom and I was like, "Oh, they gave me a bond," and she was happy. I was like, "Yeah, but it's eight thousand dollars," and I didn't know where they were gonna come up with that money at that time. And because already at that time, my dad had already exhausted everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, like. Man, he, he, at some point, my mom literally told him that my dad started, like, he was so stressed that he, he basically looked old. You know, when you stress too much, yeah. you, you start, you start to age. And that was what literally happened to my dad during that time. Cause he was having to work a lot, take overtime, overtime just to pay all these things. And also one thing too, was that when I was, when I was in uh, Worcester County fighting my case, my criminal case, my mom ended up in the hospital. She 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 wanted to work and help my dad, so she started working to help my dad. And I think something happened to her, and then it affected her kidney. Mm-hmm. So she was in the hospital for like about two weeks, and I didn't know nothing about it. I called my dad, and my dad would say, "Oh, your mom went to church," because they didn't want me to know that this is what my mom was going through, because he didn't want to stress me out as I as I was in jail. So. Mm-hmm. He, he lied to me about it, and he was like, oh, your mom went to church. Every time I call, oh, your mom is in church. And I, when my mom came back home, uh, I, I called him. I was talking. I was like, oh, why is it that every time I call you, <laughs> you're always in church? Why have you been going to church often these days, like even on weekdays a lot? Like you go to every church program now, and then she was like, well, nah. I was going through something. That's why you weren't hearing from me. But your dad didn't want to tell you. I told your dad not to tell you about what I was going through. And I was like, what happened to you? And then she was like, oh, as I was working one time, because what, what she was doing was that when she was working, she needed that job so bad to help my dad pay for all those costs that even when she needed to go use the bathroom, she wouldn't go. She would just stand there and try to work hard and work and work and work. And... That I that that was what affected her kidney. Yeah. Because when you keep your pee inside a lot, it yeah. And overexerting yourself that much too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and she was just doing that so she can keep the job, so she can help my dad pay for my lawyer costs and all that stuff, and put money on my books for canteen and all that. So, she put herself through that. She got sick, and then uh, that was that's how she ended up in the hospital, and. So when she come when she came out, she was telling me, okay, this this is what happened to her and all that, and I was like, damn, you guys didn't tell me. She's like, yeah, we didn't want to stress you out because we know what you're going through already, and I was like, yeah, but I hope you're okay though. She said, yeah, she's fine now, everything is okay with her, and I remember they used to tell my little brothers every court date that I had, but at some point they had to stop yeah. because my other little brother. Would all the one who always goes to my room to cry? She, he will, he was just, he was just sick and tired of it. The fact that I always tell him, "Oh, I got court," 
And when they say that, he thinks I'm coming home that yeah. day. So he gets excited. As soon as he comes back from school, the first thing he asks is like, where's Joseph? And then they're like, oh, he's still not here. Then right away, he just go up. He just go to my room and he would just cry. And I, we had to deal with that too. And at some point, we had to stop telling him my court yeah. dates. So we stopped telling him. And he, so every time I speak to him on the phone, he'd be like, when are you coming home? I'd be like, David, just keep praying for me. I know I'm going to be home soon. I know I'm going to be home soon by God's grace. I'm, just keep praying for me. I'm, I'm also praying. And you say, okay. At some, point he, at some point, he got mad and he, he asked my dad, we always say that we should pray. So why is it that God ain't doing nothing yet? That he, he got frustrated. He was like, we always praying, but God ain't doing nothing yet. So he's sick and tired of praying. Mm-hmm. That's what he told my dad. And my dad is like, you can't get sick and tired of praying. Just keep praying. It's perseverance. You just got to keep praying and keep, you know, having faith that your brother's going to be home soon. So that's amazing. That's, 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 it's, that's really hard to deal with. Yeah. I can only imagine. And even at some point, my mom was traumatized by that because at some point, every time she sees somebody wearing all black, she thinks it's a cop. And then mm. she would just get scared right away that, oh, what happened to Joseph? Like, she thinks maybe something happened to me and they come to tell her. So that that also messed up with her mind, and she still she still goes through that till today. I remember there was just recently, uh, cops came over to our apartment complex, and then she thought it was me. She thought it was coming back. She was like, "Why why are the cops out there?" I was like, "I don't know. That's none of my business." <laughs> Cause. I yeah. know I had none. Of it. I was like, "That's none of my business. That's probably somebody else." And then she's like, "Are you sure?" Because she she is just she was just traumatized by the whole thing. She's still going through it right now. She's still trying to get over it. Yeah. And yeah, that's what we've been going through, man. That's what we've been going through. And I'm still I still have to go to uh, court because yeah, for my immigration stuff because you know they check back with you from time to time, and that's what I gotta do right now. And I'm still trying to get my immigration status fixed, and. As soon as I get that fixed, yeah, then I can start working again and all that stuff. But until then, I can't work. I can't do nothing. So I'm basically home. And yeah, but God has been taking care of us, though, little by little. You know, my, my dad has, has been having to work more. But since I came home, you know, he, he, you know, he became happy again. And of course. He, he gained back all the weight that he lost because yeah, at some point he lost a lot of weight. And he gained back all the weight that he lost, and now he's he's happy now. I mean, he's he's just happy that I'm home, and he's not really thinking about the fact that I'm still not working yet. Even when sometimes I stress about it, I'm just like, man. That's the least of their worries, though. Honestly, like you're home. Yeah. Like that's the big thing. Like. Yeah. So I remember someone when I came it was just like, you don't think about working, just just relax. We know you're still getting your, you're still trying to get your status, you know, situated, situated, and so. He's like, don't worry about that. God is going to take care of us. That's what he tells me. And he goes to work. He works hard. And, and But it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's still hard. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm 26. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't just be in the room all the time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, sometimes I feel like, damn, I feel useless. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like my, my family's complaining or anything. But it's like that's after, just how I feel. Yeah, I feel like man, I could do, I could be doing something to help my family. My dad has to work a lot, and I can't do anything because of the situation that I'm in right now. Because you know, 
I need to get my yeah. status situated so I can start working. And it's it's hard, bro. But we getting through it. We we you know, in due God, time. In due time. Yeah, God has God has gotten us through it. So I mean, I'm just happy that I I was able to see my family. I mean, I had to spend two birthdays in there. Man, it sucked. Man, it oh, sucked. Man. Thanksgiving and all that, because mostly my family we all get together on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you know we have a dinner where we invite people. So. Because of me, my aunt didn't even put up a Christmas tree or nothing for two years. That's tough. Because they all couldn't, because they all, they always had me there. Yeah. So me not being there, they didn't want to do anything without me. It didn't feel right, probably. Yeah. Like, yeah. So my family, they all didn't put up no Christmas trees, nothing. They didn't, they didn't even have a Thanksgiving gathering, nothing for those two years that I was in there. So when I came back was when we had something and they were all happy to see me. And, you know, it, it was crazy, but I know sometimes, you know, you take a minor set setback. You know, everything happens for a reason. For a major comeback, so. You're, you're in good hands, man, at the end of the day. I you're believe, like yeah. I said, it was just for the sole purpose of you being able to yeah. tell your story today. You know, and everything that needs to be done, yeah. God will do for you from this point forward. Yeah, amen. I just want to say we really appreciate you, like, We're sharing that candidly, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. being so honest, bro. <laughs> God damn, bro. Like, I've been on edge the whole time. My chest has just been boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Just following this shit. Yeah. My heart hasn't stopped, bro. Yeah, I feel you. It's just a back lot, man. To back to it's back. I just I had chills. Yeah. You think you had a shitty 2021? Shut up. You didn't. <laughs> Shut your mouth. You know what's crazy? We used to be in there when the lockdown happened. Yeah. And we were like, man, you guys are still lucky. You guys still talk, get to talk to your family on Zoom and oh. stuff. Because we were in there like, man, we don't, get, we don't have that privilege of talking to our yeah. families whenever we want. Cause sometimes the phones are limited too. Somebody gotta use it. Somebody else gotta go use it. So it's like when people were complaining, we we're like, man, you guys are lucky. We wish we was out there. We wouldn't mind spending time with our family indoors. Facts, That's what we used man. to think over there, you know. And it's just different, man. Well, I feel I feel you definitely had a chance to like, you know, say everything you had to say. If if yeah. anything. God willing, we'll have we'll kind of have a part two, like an update, essentially, yeah, of where life is, you know, for you later on down the line. Yeah, I just want to say thank you again, you know, for for everything, bro. No I problem, we, we appreciate it, and I know this won't be in vain. You know, yeah. saying all this energy you poured into just the, even sharing your story with yeah. us, you know, you'll you'll receive tenfold. You know what I'm saying? Amen, man. All the pain that you felt in jail, bro. I, throughout this whole situation from being wrongfully accused you know what I'm saying yeah. and all the alleged crimes and everything that you know they try to place on you yeah you'll be fine bro God will take I just care have one message for everybody though like when you hear somebody being charged with ridiculous charges like rape or whatever it is man just don't judge them right away you know let the truth come out let it, let it all play out and find out whether there is evidence for it or not because some people are in there for the wrong reasons, and their families just neglect them, man, and they just in there. They miss their families, but they can't talk to their families because nobody's picking up the phone. Nobody's putting money on their books for them to buy a canteen to eat, and it's just ridiculous, man. It's like, I know as human beings, we're just, that's our nature, you know. Sometimes we hear this, and we're like, damn, he did that? Instead of asking, okay, but where's the evidence for that? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? We tend to judge before, and I, I, I did it too. Yeah. Until I went through that was when I was like, man, 
So when we on the outside, this is what we think. But when I was in there, and I was like, wow, this is what people in here go through. They don't have nobody to to tell, like, to let other people know that, man, not, even if you're not guilty for something, you can still be stuck in jail mm-hmm. and be basically in there trying to fight your case. So people shouldn't, please, when you hear anybody going through something like that, all I could do is just, man, don't don't judge them right away because, man, it sucks in there. People are going through a lot in there. I saw a lot of people go through a lot of people. I've seen grown men crying in there, yeah. and they're just hurt because they're, they're, their children are being kept away from them because of those kind of charges. Their families are being torn apart because of that. People's wives are divorcing them because of that, bro. I saw all that, bro, and it's crazy, man, and... So just don't judge anybody until the truth really comes out and there is evidence for the truth. Until you, they don't if they don't present a clear evidence and convincing evidence that this person really did what we said they did, don't judge the person because the person could be wrongfully convicted or wrongfully accused. So that's the message that I have for people out there. No. Thank you for that. Yeah, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. No problem, man. God bless you, bro. God bless you, you, my brother. Yeah. It's nice meeting you, man. Yeah, I met him like 10 minutes ago. Oh, the light died? Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. But yeah, I was not expecting that. Um, What really got me was the fact that not even, like, even after everything that you went through and whatnot, the fact is, like, you were just worried about your family's name. Yeah. Yeah. I like, wasn't really worried about me per se because I care about my family a lot. Of man. course. And then it's like, man, I didn't want nobody looking at my dad or my mom some type of way. Looking at my looking at my little brothers, like, man, his brother did this mm-hmm. and pointing fingers at them. I didn't want that, man. Uh I don't care whatever they say about me, but about my family, nah. I didn't want it. just the thought of that really messed with me, man. And that was what I was praying that. That's why I was praying that everything will go well for me. So, you know, the respect that people have for my family will still be there. Because I didn't want people to lose respect for my family. Of course. Yeah. That just shows what an amazing character y- you have, honestly. You're a good just, dude, man. For sure. He's a great dude. For Say sure. it right. <laughs> no, for sure, bro. No, I'm just playing. This shit is serious, man. Like, like I said, well, there'll definitely be an update. This isn't the end. You know no, what I'm saying? And we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. put some things in place to definitely help you move forward. Yeah. You know? and To the best of our ability. Yeah. We're going to try. Just to help you move forward, bro. And I expect everybody watching this also to contribute somehow, some way, to to make sure that your journey goes smooth. You feel me? That's the least that I we feel they can, can do. do. Yeah. yeah. I feel that yeah. I should do. You know what I'm saying? To, yeah. to be able to help you. Because you're older than me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And for that reason alone, it's like... Things gotta come together too. Yeah, man, ASAP. it sucks, man. <laughs> like I told you, just being in there all day, just being in the house, having nothing to do, and it's just like, man, it's basically like also being in another form of jail. Yeah, you're just at home, can't do anything, can't really go places that much because you don't want anything to actually happen that would actually get you back. Into you gotta play it safe. Yes. Yeah. So it's really- like you basically gotta stay home with your family most of the time. And in the beginning, that was that was what I was doing a lot of, you know. I, I just have to stay home because I don't want anything else to happen, maybe accidentally even. 
to get me back in that position again. It's like PTSD, bro. Yeah, bro. And like I was telling you earlier, man, the first time I got out, the first week, we went to we went to the grocery store, Market Basket, and I couldn't go in there. Wow, my, my mm. pops was like, oh, you're going to go with us? I was like, no. No, right. Because oh. the amount of people there, I just didn't want to be there. I don't know. Wrong person, I, wrong time. You don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't the only person that actually went through that. I heard other people also tell me that when I was in there, that, yo, so, like, when they got out, the first time they got out, it was like they were paranoid oh. around mm-hmm. people, like so many other people. And they go to a place with a lot of people, they get paranoid. So when I heard that, so when I got out, I didn't think that was going to happen to mm-hmm. me. So when I got out and I saw people walking in, I was like, well, we're not even in a grocery store. And I see all these people here. Uh-uh. I'm not going. I'm not stepping out the car. So my family just went by themselves. And it, t- it took me a while to, be, to, to even be able to walk into a grocery store. It took me a while. It took me about a couple of months before I was able to walk into a grocery store and not feel paranoid. Yeah. No, I'm all fucked up inside. <laughs> I don't even try to cap. I'm not yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not okay, bro. I've been trying to keep us together while listening to this. But my God, man. God bless you, bro. There's really not much I can say at this yeah, point. It's honestly. like it's just so overwhelming, bro. Like the fact that you were able to go through all this and even just keep a good attitude. Yeah. Bro, that's so big. Like that's huge. Bro. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the people in there, they used to, you know how they do searches sometimes, randomly, random searches. They'll just come and be like, oh, get out. They'll put a handcuff on you, you sit down. Then they go through your room to see if nobody's holding a shank or anything. Yeah. So they do that to everybody. So I remember some of the inmates would get pissed when they do that because they throw their stuff all over the place. And then when they do it to me, I'll just be sitting out there and I'll be smiling. And then (laughs) dudes in there in their cells would be like, yo, gotta... This man, every time, bro, you be smiling. Yeah. <laughs> hey, shit's a fun. How the heck you gonna be in jail and be smiling all the time? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing but fun, bro. So, yeah, I'm bro, sure. but hey, I say God kept me, man. Uh, still keeping you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, still, man, till today, bro. Yes. In due time, you'll get yours. Yeah, yeah, you man. Will. God's grace, man. I'm just, I'm still praying and I'm still. Young Zion. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Oh, yeah, I already know. <laughs> when he came over that day, I was like, really? You want to call me? He's like, yeah. Man. It's only right. It's only right. After yeah. everything, bro. Because now you're an example to everybody. You know? Yeah. You're, you're that beacon of light. To, if After all of that, you can keep a smile on your face. If after yeah. all of that, you can speak on the experience in yeah. a positive light. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. God will definitely, God will definitely look at that. And just for that alone, bro. You know? True. You deserve the world. At the very least, you deserve for your world to come together in a way that's yeah, it will. To you. It will. You see, so yeah. it, don't worry, fam. Everything will be yeah. all right. I know. It's always patience. That's what I've been telling myself: just patience and just persevere through it. And the time will come. I mean, uh, that's how I've always thought of things. That even I used to encourage my, my mom and my dad when I was in there because sometimes they'll feel down even like, talking to me on the phone. And I'm just like, nah, I know God's gonna get me out soon. And you know the sick thing too. The courthouse is close to where I live. So mm-hmm. every time they take me to court, I pass right by my neighborhood. Oh, and going back going back to the jail, I pass right by my neighborhood again. So oh, that'd be sick. Yo. That'd be so sick. So the whole thing was just crazy, man. I don't know how I did it, but I know <laughs> I didn't do it alone, man. God was in there with me the whole time, man. For sure. 
Because every time, even when I'm down from court, I just pick up the Bible and I read and I just feel better. Mm-hmm. Like, I, re- I remember one time I came back from court and I was so down. So I had to pick up the Bible again. I, I read and I read Isaiah chapter 55, man. And he said that your thoughts are not my thoughts and neither are your ways my ways. You know, just as, you know, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So you're going through something right now, just know that it's for a reason. You know what I'm saying? That's what that that verse in the Bible told me right there, that it's for a reason and you may not understand it. That's why it says my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So it's in the end, that purpose is going to be fulfilled. So it just, it, it, it gave me a boost again, I remember, after that court date. And I was like, all right, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And I, I was able to do it. And now I'm here, man. I've seen... Here on the Bowie Podcast, baby. Yeah, I've been out for almost a year now, and you know, I'm I'm just enjoying every moment with my family, man. And you know, what I really missed is the fact that I used to help my little brother practice for basketball all the time, and he missed me too. So mm-hmm. when I came back, it's like, oh, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. <laughs> yeah, stand up guy, bro. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I miss my family a lot, man. I'm all about my family. I'm all about family, man, and. I love people, even people, not just family, man, people that I was close with. I was just, I missed all of them, man, when I was in there. So when I got out, man, they were also all happy, man. Everybody wanted to come see me. They are just like, oh, you're out. I was like, yeah, bro, I'm out. Then, you know, it was just happy, man. I was just happy, man. It was just exciting. And I, at some point, I even forgot about all the things that I went through. It's, it's only, it, it comes back sometimes once in a while. And you're just like, man, I remember I was going through this and that and that. But now look where I am now. I might not have everything that I really want right now, but I'm still happy that I'm out. I'm not in there thinking about when I'm going to get out, thinking if I'm even ever going to get out. It's it's exciting for me. So every time I get down for the fact that things are not going the way that I, I wanted to go, I just remind myself of that, that, you know, remember where you used to be, man. There are still people in there who are praying that they get, they get to get out of there just like you did. So... I use that to like keep me going. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm fortunate that's, now. That's big. That's that's huge. Yeah. So hey man. No. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, bro. honestly. Thank you for everything. No problem, man. It wasn't even just the stories, it was just the lessons learned and all that. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna affect somebody. That yeah. affected us. Mm-hmm. So honestly though. The light died a while ago. I think we need to wrap it up soon. Yeah. But no, thank you. Thank you so much again, bro. No, no honestly, problem, man. It was you. nice meeting you, man. Yeah, bless you, man. We appreciate yeah, you I really appreciate too. you guys too, you know, for giving me this platform to share my story because I knew I was going to have to share my story at some point, but I didn't know how or when. It, so. it just happened the way it should have, yeah. honestly. It really yeah. did. So um, where can they find you on social media? Do you have any social media? Yeah. Instagram, you can find me at Young Zion nine seven eight. No, I use that name all the time now. What do you mean? Yeah. And yeah, on uh, well, on my Snapchat, I can't figure out a way to change the username on there. I mean, you don't have to add your snap yeah. if you don't want to. So, so the snap is still my old username. My my old it was Joe Joey Hazard. Right. Yeah, that one is still there. But yeah, on Instagram, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Young Zion nine seven eight. Nine seven eight. Yeah. All right. 
We'll have we'll have the link posted. You know, people people will be able to locate you. Yeah. And also uh, any messages, any kind words, you know, whatever the case. Yeah. Yeah, man. God bless you again, oh, bro. Oh yeah. The Thank great thing is God man. gave me songs too. You know, when I was in there during my times of trials and tribulations, God gave me a song through worship and. You know, when I got out, that was my main goal, that, yo, I'm going to get this song out there and let people know that when I was going through my hard times, this this is a song that came to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, God gave to me during those times, and, you know, I released one of them, but uh, there's still more that I got to release. Oh, trust. God's people grace. will hear it. People <laughs> are going to hear it. Yeah. No, I'm going to get them know. all out. Man, man. On that note, though, thank you guys for checking out this episode. It means a lot to us that you're able to tune in and make it this far. Yeah. All right. Thank well, you guys. Well, we'll definitely see you again, bro. Right. Yeah, God, God bless you. <laughs> definitely, you. man. Oh, yeah, definitely with yeah. that update video. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. We really appreciate it. Um, watch next week. Peace. <laughs>